Welcome, friends. This is the Art of Aliveness podcast, and I'm your host, Chrissy Marie. It's a space where we explore how to nurture life force energy through the path of creativity, curiosity, compassion, courage, and connection. Let's dance. Welcome, friends. I am super stoked to have my beautiful friend, Julia Simone, on today. And she's got a really powerful story that I can't wait to share with you all. Julia is, right now, she's a certified health coach. And she is really passionate about helping people find freedom in their bodies, as well as helping them recover from obsessive or addictive patterns. And... I'm so grateful that you're here today. Thank you for joining me, love. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on this platform. Mm. I would love for people who don't know you, who are coming from my audience, can you share a little bit about yourself and, and like what got you started, you know, doing the work, the powerful work that you do? Yes. Wow. Bringing me back you know, eight or nine years or so, I was on my way to university. My mom had just got back from rehab. I, uh, you know, was striving to check all the boxes. I was an elite athlete at that time. I played soccer. Um, And, you know, I was struggling with these binge cycles with food. And for as long as I can remember, I believe I, I struggled with uh, an unhealthy way around food. And that led me into binge purge cycles with food, obsessive exercising, and just mindset patterns that would lead me down a depressive rut, uh, lots of tears. And, you know, it was a lot of inner pain that got me started on this work. Lots of nights asking, why me? Why is this happening to me? lots of internal conflict that I couldn't really put a finger on it. And I saw a number of specialists and doctors and was recommended, you know, antidepressants. And I went that route for a little bit, saw a therapist for a little bit. um, And I would find a little bit of freedom and then I would go back into those cycles. And then I would find a little bit of freedom and then I would go back into those cycles. So that freedom was very short lived. And what ended up happening was I met someone through a connection of mine and she came to speak to me. (laughs) I didn't want her to come speak to me, but someone had told her that, you know, you need to come speak to Julia. And she graciously came to my house. I'll never forget it. I didn't say a word to her. I actually told her to F off at one point and I did not want her support, but she was the first person who I felt had what I had. So she spoke my story. She knew what binge purging felt like. She knew all of that. She had experienced the same thing. And she also had a glow, a being, a joy about her that I desperately wanted, didn't know I could have or how to get there. And she asked me one vital question and it was, 
are you open to having a new experience? What do you have to lose? And I thought to myself, well, I've got literally everything to lose if I keep going the way that I'm going and nothing to lose if that changes. And so I made a choice to work with her. She took me through a set of steps, which led me down a spiritual experience. And that was kind of my first experience that got me thinking in a totally new way. Um, I had a complete change of attitude. I made drastic changes to my life. And that, that came little by little over time. But, you know, eight, nine years later, <laughs> I'm now helping many women on that same journey. And it's brought so much joy into my life that I could not have imagined possible for sure. This is so powerful for me to hear too, because I don't know all the details of your story. And you noted that this isn't just something that started eight or nine years ago, that it was a pattern for as long as you can remember, you said, was, was the was the symptom of the purging and the binging, did that specifically start eight or nine years ago? Or was that also something that followed you through childhood? No. Yeah. I feel that the, um, that developed over time. I feel that the way that it maybe started to play out was just in obsessive thoughts. And that's typically how I even communicate those symptoms now is that the the food or the alcohol or the pot or the relationship, whatever it is that we're dealing with is really a symptom of our inner condition. And what society will say a lot of the time is change your external circumstance. So go for a walk, go, go have a shower instead of, you know, or go exercise instead of doing the behavior that you want to stop. But what I was finding was that, you know, no matter how much I changed my external circumstances, like I had a phenomenal life. I went to the best school in Canada. I was an athlete. I, I, I looked great. I had a phenomenal boyfriend at the time. Like I had everything externally. And that, that's why this is so ironic is that why was I so unhappy on the inside? You know, why was I still having my tears and my, you know, depressive ruts? And why did I feel so disconnected from my body? And that's, that had nothing to do with my external circumstances and everything to do with my inner condition. And the way that manifested was very different. You know, I've had phases where it manifested in obsession over men. I've had phases where it manifested in um, obsession with work and school, uh, with stress, with family stresses, which I had lots of as a kid. And, um, you know, that evolved later into the food stuff. And, And so the way that I see it is that the mind or the way the beliefs that we hold on to the resentments we hold on to the fears that we hold on to have an incredibly powerful um, force in, in our inside and how we feel inside, how we think becomes how we feel and that leads into our behaviors. And so that, that food binging was just a symptom of a greater inner condition that needed to heal at that time. Yeah. And you mentioned that when you spoke to this woman, even though you'd done, you know, lots of therapy and you tried a bunch of other things, there was something about the process that she took you through that was different. 
what would you say was like the distinguishing factor for you with that? Like what made that work for you personally? Mm, It was for the first time, I believe I had a willingness that I never had before. And that was in part because I had experienced so much pain. Then I feel what the ultimate change was is that when I started to do the inner work, I started to recognize that all of the reasons that I had in my mind of why I binged or why I used or why I, I did certain things that I wanted to stop, those reasons, when I wrote them down on paper and I, could, I, I started to do this work, I could see how I, w- I was my problem because previously my reasons or my logic, my self-knowledge that I had was, oh, you know, it was my past with my mom who was an alcoholic, it's her fault. Or it was the way I was treated in certain moments of my life, or it was some, some trauma that I had growing up, or it was a man who looked at me a certain way and I didn't really like the way he did that. You know, whatever reason that I had had before, um, started to fail to live up to the eventual expression of that behavior in myself. So, you know, why was it that something that happened to me in the past began to influence my life so much in the future that I I seem to not have an explanation anymore when I started to actually do this work. And I could see it on paper when I saw it, it was like, wow, I've actually been holding on to so much resentment, so much fear, so much like internal turmoil that I never would have seen before. And this woman really helps me to divulge all of that. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that on my own. I really needed that guidance at that time. And now I continue this work. I continue to grow in these ways. I continue to teach others these ways. And the journey is 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 beautiful it's been unfolding in so many beautiful ways and it's led me to meet you and to meet so many incredible practitioners um but that's kind of how it started Mm, yeah you're making a, a really powerful point here and just to reflect back what i'm hearing you say is that you you noticed that or what was different about this experience with her is that, well, one, you had a willingness. So there was a willingness, there was an openness present. You were, you were just ready. Sometimes like there are these windows in our life where we're just ready for things. And even though people have said it over and over, we were there to hear it. We didn't have the resources to hear it. So you were resourced enough to look at it from a different perspective. And when you did, you realized that it was your reaction patterns that were um, like maintaining and sustaining these, these addictive patterns. It was your resentment towards what had happened. Um, it was the way that you had internalized it or were, you know, cycling through that. And when you realize that, okay, actually I'm perpetuating that, that feeling, which is then driving the behavior, I can do something about that. And that give you a sense of agency, a sense of power that you didn't have before when you were blaming your external circumstances, which you have no control over. Exactly. And I was stubborn for a very long time. That willingness did not come easy. Mm. But the, the more that I kept going down that path, I started to experience things that I like to call divine intolerance came in, where my body literally was like, you can't experience this anymore. This is too much pain. 
And that's when, that's where that openness typically comes from. And then, you know, to that point as well, like the mind is so funny, the mind is so creative. And if I'm addicted to experiencing certain low level emotions or, or lower level feelings, then I will manifest the circumstances of those feelings mm. in any way, whether it's a job, a relationship, binge purge cycles, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. And so my body became addicted to experiencing those experiences. And I continued to bring those feelings into my life, no matter that change in external circumstances, for sure. Mm. Yeah, we become addicted to the crutch. Like first, the addiction starts as a way to avoid a, a feeling, an undesirable feeling, like you know, pain, discomfort, shame. And even though the crutch isn't any better, we become addicted to a different pain, shame. It's totally. We're so interesting as as creatures, as beings. But what I'm curious about too is you said that you told this girl to fuck off, probably right when she came to see you. Do you remember what she said to you that? allowed you to remain open and curious instead of just completely writing her off? I think it was just the way that she was able to meet that with love and without taking me personally that I began to see that she really had something that I wanted ah. because my disease, and this is, this is what I teach others as well, is that I care so much about what people think of me. Oh. I care about you know, maintaining an image in the world of trying to be successful. I care about um, not feel, I, I care about whether I seem good enough. I care about so many things. And, and it's this sense of care that propels me into control into like those obsessive patterns. And so the fact that she didn't care and that she just looked at me with love and was like, okay, you know, that, that is a miracle. And the fact that I've experienced that and the fact that I don't have that obsession around food is absolutely a miracle because I never thought that I would see the day where I didn't have to try to arrange my life around food. It just wasn't a thing. It, I had never lived my life like that. But the more and more I kept doing the inner work, the more and more I kept experiencing little freedom by little freedom by little freedom by little freedom, by little freedom and that added up, and one day I woke up and that obsession was gone. And so I'd like to call them miracles. Some people like to say they're just changes in experiences. Um, <laughs> you know, but it is possible. It is possible. And I think that so much in society we hear, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. And these are the statistics and da, da, da. And it's just a matter of, you know, are, are we open to having a different experience? Yes. I love that you call them miracles. Just just two episodes ago, I had a friend on talking about miracle consciousness and, and his message is, you know, miracles are normal. Miracles are an everyday occurrence. They're not just these like crazy things that, you know, just manifest out of nowhere. And like mm -hmm. you said, like you were very intentional about how you um, began to shift the way you saw things and began to shift your behaviors. And it was those, those little, it was that commitment over and over again, those, those different choice points that you made stacked on top of each other all of a sudden had like a tipping there was a tipping point and all of a sudden it was like boom now you there was a new normal for you so true and I mean I'm sure you've experienced those new normals as well right yeah oh yeah I would say mm. 
Yeah. I feel like my new normals came from, well, let's take, for example, showing up and being seen. I, you know, a lot of people that follow me, they, I talk about wearing a mask of being like the outsider or the weirdo. Um, or for a very long time, I saw myself as awkward and not charismatic. <laughs> and it took showing up online and in my relationships and initiating. It was, it was the initiation that was the terrifying thing for me, like initiating connection versus being on the receiving end and just waiting for it. That eventually... I built up this body of resilience around initiating connection or around that initial discomfort. And now it's, it's like everything I do. It literally is everything that I do. So incredible. Yeah. And I love that. Cause it's like, we have to disrupt those patterns and sometimes it feels so radical. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure the first time you initiated that connection felt so uncomfortable. And it's the same thing with any new thing that we try. It feels so uncomfortable at first, but that's how we, we start to build those new patterns and those new behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time I, I initiated um, friendship with another woman. Like I went out of my way to do it versus, oh, this person was just, you know, kind of friended in by association because other friends knew her. Like I, I had never actually like gone out of my way to make a, like a solid girlfriend. And it felt like dating. It was like that scary, like butterflies in the stomach feeling like, what are they going to think? And yeah. And I, and I kind of, I giggle at it now because it was quite an intense experience. You're like, oh, Chrissy, you're just making a friend. But I think for many people, that's another pain point is there's a lot of um, wounding around social connection. And when we start taking responsibility as you did for your inner landscape, Mm. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of demons to confront there's a lot of discomfort you're you're choosing the discomfort that you avoided in the first place that led to the addictive or the avoidant patterns exactly and getting used to that discomfort which then ultimately leads to fulfillment and a, a fuller embracing of of who you are at your essence and there's a piece that we we talked about diving into which is forgiveness mm-hmm. and in order to let go of resentment, you shared that you began practicing forgiveness and it was twofold. It was towards the, the past, uh, towards those who um, felt like, you know, you felt like they wounded you in the past and then towards yourself. So I'd love for you to share like, what your definition of forgiveness is and then we can kind of play with the process of forgiveness and some of the pitfalls that people get into mentally or unforgiveness. Totally. And um, I love what you shared there. And when, what I mean by resentment is, you know, a resentment is essentially just holding on to anger, holding on to situations of the past, holding on to, well, this person did this to me and therefore I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, resentment, the way that I was taught is really, a killer and it kills our spirit. It kills our ability to behave in our, in our sun, in our sunlight, in our, in our power centers, because what we've essentially done is we've given someone else the power to control us because they are controlling our feelings about them. They're controlling our feelings in the world. And while regular people might have that luxury to hold on to those resentments and to, 
you know, let those resentments run riot in their bodies. I didn't have that luxury because it was really the root. It was what was keeping me sick. And when I became open to looking at these resentments and I had to say, am I open to actually being honest? I had to make like two or three lists. It was the list that my dog's going to drink water. It was the list that I was going to tell people, the list that I was going to maybe lie about and the list I was never going to ever tell anyone. And those were some of the resentments that I was holding on to. And they're ugly. They're like, you know, I hated myself for sticking my toothbrush down my throat and purging in the toilet every day. Like they can get ugly. Right. And so those resentments are what is keeping us from our freedom. And so that openness came when I started to say, okay, I, I really want to experience this freedom. How do I do it? And so I wrote them down and I looked at them and I saw how they were affecting my life. And then I needed to acknowledge my part. Was it that I was being selfish, um, self-seeking? Did I have ulterior motives? Was there any form of, you know, any part that I played a role into? And, you know, once I did that, I felt so free because I could see that I played a role in holding on to these resentments, even though someone may have really hurt me. And trust me, I blamed my mom for a lot of stuff. You could definitely say I hated her because of what went on in our relationship when I was a kid. But when I saw my part that here I was holding on to this thing and holding on to this hatred 10 years later, um, I started to acknowledge that maybe I had a role in it. And that allowed me more openness to open into that forgiveness. And it takes radical compassion for the other person. I had to really acknowledge that she was sick and that she didn't intend to hurt me in the way she did. And that took a lot, that was like a big step, you know, that's not easy to admit, but most people who hurt us are actually sick and don't have that intention to hurt us. Some people do have the intent to hurt and that is also because they are sick, but we need to come at it from that perspective and then shifting it into how can I let this go? And really that comes with belief, trust, and acknowledging the inner power inside me. Some people call it creative intelligence. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it God. I started to believe in this power greater than myself that could remove this care and remove this resentment. And that's when I started to experience my freedom. That's beautiful. So what I'm hearing specifically from that is that forgiveness for you was this marriage of compassion and once you know as well as compassion you said creative intelligence like agency your ability to tap into something bigger than you and actually connect to your personal freedom mm -hmm. yeah so compassion agency and i'm also hearing like a releasing of resentment so that's another piece of forgiveness is it's a releasing of resentment and so I'd love for you to share your perspective on one of the things that I've heard uh, clients and friends of mine say, um, which is that, you know, well, if I forgive, if I forgive, then I'm, I'm afraid that the behavior or the situation that caused me harm is going to happen again. Mm, yeah. Or I'm afraid that, you know, this person hasn't said, I'm sorry. Yeah, I love that. And ultimately, I mean, 
I could, I could have waited years for an apology that never came. And then what would happen? It's like, there I still was in my same behaviors and my same, in my same patterns. And I guess I just had to ask myself, am I going to keep allowing this to make me feel bitter and down? Or am I going to allow myself to get better so that I can, so that I can experience those new freedoms? It's a balancing act between, you know, do I allow this to stay inside me where it's going to eat at me? Mm. Or can I welcome a new experience into my life? And that famous quote, I can't remember who it's from. You and I talked about it, but resentment is like, us drinking the poison, but hoping someone else swallows it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And just because we forgive doesn't mean that we give that person permission to hurt us again. Mm. It means that we are opening into a new experience of ourselves, a new love for ourselves, a new freedom for ourselves. And then we can call in those boundaries that I didn't have boundaries before. I let everyone walk all over me. And that was because I was operating in my woundedness. I was operating in my trauma. I was operating in my, you know, just that was how I related with the world. Mm -hmm. But when I have that new freedom and I have that, I've let go of what's been holding me back, then I can tap into creating healthy boundaries. I can tap into, you know, speaking up for myself, which I was not good at as well. I can tap into living in more alignment where I'm not engaging with people who don't serve me. And, you know, it's a, it's a really tough conversation for people who have been abused and who have, um, you know, experienced those depths of hurt. And, and I have been there. Like I understand that level of hurt and what we need to just ask ourselves is, am I open to having a new experience and trying something new? Because if what I was doing before in hating this person, if it's been working for me, then that's okay. But if it's not working, if I would like to experience something new, if I would like a little bit of a different level of freedom, what do I have to lose in trying to let it go and trying to forgive? And I guarantee, honestly, with everyone I've worked with, it's like, wow, I have so much more freedom. I never saw life in this way. And that's it. It's like, I can't see the joys of life until I fully let those things go because that's what's blocking me from those joys. And I desperately wanted to experience that. Mm. Yeah. Again, I'm hearing that pattern of weighing the pros and cons. Like, okay, well, if I hold on to this, there's consequences. And if I let it go, there's ego consequences. There's the discomfort of newness and novelty and the unknown. Um, but there's also the potential for joy, like I've never experienced it before. And I love you know, the way you phrase that. That's exactly it. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's something too I want to speak to, and maybe you can affirm this, is that energetically, you know, when we talk about uh, how, how resonance and um, in the quantum field and energy works, you know, we're always attracting, we are always attracting things from our unconscious desires And often our unconscious desires are embedded in our resentments. Because if you look at your pattern, like you became addicted to these, um, whatever it was, you became addicted to things that weren't serving you, whether it was a man or, or a substance or a purging experience, there was something you were getting out of that. And for as long as you were 
um, attached to the source, which was the resentment, you kept attracting and creating those patterns and those experiences for yourself. Mm -hmm. So when people say I'm afraid of calling in, you know, prior experiences by forgiving, you know, forgiving isn't condoning, forgiving isn't desiring for that thing to happen to you, but it is letting go of all of the energy that you unconscious or subconsciously have attached to that situation. And once you cut that cord, then as you experienced, you become open to different types of energy. You, you have more agency to choose what you want to actually call in. And I would, and you can affirm this or, or challenge it for me, but would you say that when you forgave the hurts from your past and yourself, would you say that you began to attract more healthy experiences into your life? hundred percent. Relationships as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, what I was looking for ultimately was a love and connection, of course. I was desperately seeking love through the external world. And I was also looking to numb myself, to numb my feelings because my feelings were too much for me. I didn't have any tools to handle them. I was like a like rain washing over this poor child who just wanted to not feel the hurt that she was feeling. And, um, you know, I did that by seeking out love in very destructive ways. And I did that with managing food in very destructive ways. And those were, I think, that was really what I, those are the uncovered desires of what I was looking for. And so when I let those things go, what I found was that this power greater than myself could give me that sense of love, could give me that sense of connection and brought me into situations where I felt deeply connected to people. I felt deeply um, more loved in my relationships because I could be more vulnerable. I didn't have to put up walls as much, you know? And so I could also start to visualize and dream again. Whereas before I was just managing I was just managing my condition. I was just managing my resentments. I was just managing my fears. And that is a lot of energy. It was a lot of internal fighting. And like, like you said, that's so much energy. Once that energy can be let go of, you can put your energy into creative dreams, into relationships, into all the things that I was emotionally unavailable for before. And actually, it's so funny. I was thinking about one of my ex-boyfriends and I was like, wow, I must have been the most emotionally unavailable girlfriend ever. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't even realize until like many years later. It's like, whoa, yeah, I've changed so much. When I look at photos of myself, I don't recognize myself. I feel happier. I feel um, more deeply connected and on purpose than ever. And that didn't come easy. It did not come overnight. And so if I'm giving off the impression that this is an overnight journey, no way. But it did come with practice, with diligence, with willingness to go to any length and, um, and with radical honesty. Yeah. What were some of the self-forgiveness practices that you, you used along the way? Because that's another, it's one thing to forgive other people. Um, it can be very challenging to do that, but it's also very challenging at times for people to forgive themselves. Mm-hmm. Because shame is the driving force of these addictive and avoidant patterns that we carry. 
and to change our energy towards the self from shame to compassion, acceptance, and even celebration, that's not an overnight journey either. So what are some of the things that served you along the way? I love that. So definitely I started very small and it started with doing some of just the inner work and just doing some writing and journaling and getting it all out. Then, um, could then you it, actually, could you clarify that piece? Like when you say just getting it all out, like what were you getting out? So things, things like, you know, hating my body for the way my body looked things mm-hmm. like, um, you know, the way I treated people, mm-hmm. you know, the way, I, the way I treated people was toxic. And so I had to forgive myself a lot for that because even my sisters, I feel terrible. I, I, uh, I definitely was so mean to them. I was like a big, big sister bully and I isolated myself from them for many years. And, um, you know, there were, I think it was mostly how I treated people. And then that self-hatred also manifested into how I treated my own body. And I lacked a connection with my body Mm -hmm. and that, that needed to be rebuilt over time. And also because of the way I treated my body, I was having some health issues. I was chronically overworking and experiencing a lot of those health issues that come with stress, such as poor sleep, low energy, uh, gut, bowel, you know, inflammation, uh, body inflammation, you know, my menstrual cycle was a mess. Let's just put it that way. So my body started to react in ways that I no longer could tolerate. And so it came twofold. I think it was, I made a lot of amends. I had to go back and really repair a lot of my relationships, apologize and, you know, express that this was my part with no ulterior motive, whether they wanted to come back into my life or not was totally up to them. And, um, once I made amends, I really felt very connected to, to the people around me and, um, and to others. And then, then I went on a journey of like real body forgiveness. And that's when I started some embodiment work with the emotional clearing, doing the spiral and clearing some of the subconscious patterns that were stuck in my body. Some of the beliefs that I was still holding on to and really just loving myself through those beliefs. And that looks like to me, prayer and meditation. It looks like connecting with good friends and, and some, some of the emotional clearing work that we do in integrating that, spending time in nature, connecting with nature, spending time alone with my creator and building that spiritual connection. And then, and then the ultimate form of self-love was really when I started to take my health journey into my own hands and heal my gut, heal my body. I started to get involved with a nutrition system that I loved um, that really gave me the nutrition that I needed to heal in that way. And that was when my real connection with my body started to come back because I could listen to my body better. My body, when I was feeling tired, it's like, oh, it's time to rest. When I ate something that didn't sit with me, oh, it's because maybe I have a food intolerance to dairy, you know, little things like that. I started to be able to, to listen to my body better. Um, so I took a, like a multi-level approach to it. Um, so I guess that's not a very specific answer, but that's a roundabout way (laughs) what I did. (laughs) Yes. No, that's actually really helpful. So, so what I heard you say is that it started with 
like when, when I asked you about like, what were you actually getting out? You were saying that you were just kind of mostly purging onto the page, just being radically honest with your behaviors and your patterns and what some of the things that maybe you hadn't been willing to look at prior. So putting mm -hmm. that, bring it into the light, bring it up from the shadow and into the light. And then the second piece is that you started to take responsibility for it, not just on the page, but in your relationships. So going and making amends or just owning and acknowledging your part to play in um, situations where maybe you had wounded another or acted out of integrity with your values. Totally. Yeah. And then, then starting doing the emotional clearing and going through the spiral um, which for those people who are not familiar with the spiral or haven't gone through, I'll probably do a separate podcast on that soon. But essentially, it's a it's a process of of unraveling and releasing a lot of cellular trauma from your body, physically, energetically, emotionally. Um, it's a very powerful way of creating space for more of your essence and your gifts to emerge. So you did that, and then you became trained and certified in spiral. And then mm -hmm. deepening your connection to to your version of spirituality, to connecting to a higher purpose, a higher power. Um, and then from that space, again, kind of this pattern of once you start taking responsibility and letting go of what you can't control or what's happened in the past, you then created the resources to take responsibility and agency over your health, which has been like, as you mentioned, a really sticky relationship for most of your life and now you're in a place yeah. where you're health coaching you know which is incredible you know? it's, it is totally incredible amazing yeah and then you know as well what's come through the emotional clearing work is like when you, when we can release some of those beliefs and stuff that we've held on to for so long my dreams came through and i've i've never been as involved artistically before i'm now creating songs i'm creating music which i've never done before i i paint i you know it's like all of these artistic dreams that i thought i would get to when i was retired from the corporate world started to become a reality much sooner in my life in my 20s you know so so these are the, the when we create space in our bodies when we when we can let go of the shit that's holding us back the space can be created for the new. The space can be created to take on our dreams, our artistic capabilities. We can get creative. All of those things come into play. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always love to use the analogy of the garden. Like all of those things are already there. It's not like you have to go and create creativity or um, like rebuild yourself from the ground up. Like all of your gifts and potential is already embedded in your DNA Yes. Just waiting for the space to breathe. It's just waiting for you to focus on it so that it can bloom organically because that's what we're designed to do. We're designed to thrive. So I, I love that. So I love true. that little golden breadcrumb trail that you just shared. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And honoring you and celebrating you. Like that's, it is no small feat and you didn't do it alone, right? You, you had mentors, you had sisterhoods, you know, you've, you weren't lone wolfing the journey. It sounds like for a while you were and it wasn't working, but then you started yes. bringing people in that. And as you mentioned with that woman, you're like, it wasn't even what she said. It was who she was being. It was her energy. It was how she was holding herself. It was how she was holding me. Like yes. She was a living example of the type of, of person that she wanted to become that you knew was possible for yourself. 
that's that's powerful too i think to note absolutely and you're so right i love the way that you just you encapsulate exactly what i'm trying to say in such a majestic way and you know for those who are maybe like afraid of letting things go in life it's not that life gets worse when we let those things go you know how many people do i know it's like oh well i'm not gonna have the same friends or i'm not gonna you know be able to hang out in the way that i was and it's like no that's not true we get to just experience life in a way more intense and beautiful way than we ever were before and that's that's maybe my my prayer for everyone and my hope for everyone that they can get to experience life in that way that that sense of connection with their bodies, that sense of love for themselves and just thrive what you and I are so passionate about. Mm, yes. Yeah. I'm feeling this, this nudge just to remind people that, you know, when you do start to shift, you will, you will not lose, but you will distance yourself from people who no longer resonate with your, with your values and your new intentions. And there's a grieving process that occurs there, which I'm sure you, you went through, Julia. And that's why I think it's so important that if there are people in your environment that you, you look to and can be a, like a, a beacon of, oh, it's possible to thrive coming from, you know, the, the shadowy, sticky places like, the woman that came to you, she mm -hmm. had a history of binging and purging, right? So she was relatable, right? Like we all have our stories of trauma and triumph. And so it's important to like, when you're in that like cocoon process where things are kind of falling apart to keep your eye on what is possible to stay connected to people who are maintaining that sense of aliveness and connecting with them. You know, like surrounding yourself with those people, whether it be watching them on YouTube, listening to their podcasts or directly messaging them and being like, hey, <laughs> give me your resources or just like, where can I, where can I find you and stay in your space more often? To, like through osmosis, get that hit of, yeah, and you're on your way too. like, mm -hmm. this is, this is possible for you as well. So true. And, you know, just planting that seed, like today, my mom is one of my best friends and business partners, right? It's like. How, how that's a miracle, you know, That's huge. Um, and, and so that, that analogy of the more that I change, the more that the world changes around me. And that includes people around me. Yeah. You'd be so, we'd be so surprised, but our energetic frequency really does affect those around us. And the more that I embodied new states of being, the more that I opened that door for other people to experience those same things. So keep going, you know, that's so beautiful. Oh, is there anything else that you want to share that you feel really compelled to bring into the space before we begin to wrap up? Um, I feel just this, this notion of, of belief and, you know, I touched on like this grasping onto a power greater than ourselves or grasping onto our inner power, however that power shows up for us. And what that means is, you know, just, just welcoming, like if we've ever seen a sunrise or a sunset or, or if we've ever, you know, looked at the stars and thought like, oh my gosh, like this is so incredible. It's like, let's find more of that energy. I think that that is so needed right now. We've found so much disconnect from ourselves and the, the expansive world around us. And the way that we can tap into that is through a deep sense of love for ourselves, for others, and 
and giving ourselves that time in the morning to just connecting, visualizing where I'm going, who I'm becoming, and those little baby steps that are going to take us there. And so it's not, while it's uncomfortable to believe, it's, it's not, um, not worth it. It's always worth it. You know, Mm -hmm. that every elite athlete, every, you know, superstar has had a very powerful sense of belief, whether it be in themselves, whether it be in what they're doing and how their gifts are going to impact people. And sometimes we have to believe it before we see those results, but keep believing because it's that hope that really got me to, to those results that I was seeking. It was something in my heart said it's possible. And that's the belief that will carry us through those times, the hard times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And knowing people like, just like you, you know, have stepped across that line, people with similar suffering, people with similar stories. Yeah. That I think really stirs hope and has stirred hope for me and for many. So thank you so much for so openly sharing your incredibly beautiful, powerful story. I mean, that's just like the tip of the story too. Like there's probably so many nuances and other like twists and turns that, that you could share. So if people are interested in learning more about you, where can they find you and connect with you? Ooh, I would love to connect with anyone. Um, it's the Julia Simone on Instagram. My website is juliasimone.ca and that's, I would love to connect or on Facebook, even Julia Simone on, on Facebook, you can find me and, uh, and Christina as well. I'm going to share this and hoping that we can connect with you too. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'll post your links in the show notes and for people who are looking to connect more with the podcast, uh, you can join the free Facebook group, the art of aliveness slash podcast insiders, get updates, provide feedback, answer some questions. Um, and you can also reach out to me personally at theartofaliveness at gmail.com mm. or I'm on Instagram at come alive with Chrissy Marie. You can find me on Facebook too. For those of you who aren't connected, it's my personal profile. Um, just message me if you're going to request me on Facebook and let me know, Hey, I connected with you through the podcast. I want more of you. <laughs> amazing. You are amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This is so beautiful. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you again. Love you so, so much. I'm Love you so, so much. Oh, I know my audience is going to eat you out. And I trust that, you know, if you've gotten to the end, that you've received <laughs> some medicine from it and gotten exactly what you needed. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, yes. Until next time, play on. Play on.